What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Welcome to Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC, and of course, I got my co-host here with me, Lock. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, today we have an interesting one. Ha <laughs> ha, I didn't say we got a good one for you. <laughs> I'm getting better. That's my favorite. We're going to compete with Joe. <laughs> That's my favorite segment of the podcast is where you tell us how good this episode is going to be. <laughs> I'm going for the awards. We're going to compete with Joe Rogan. <laughs> but um, so today uh, we got an interesting one. So I came across an article and a, um, a clip of one of my favorite boxers, Javante Tate Davis. Um, if you don't follow boxing, he is. Oh, shoot. I forgot what weight class he's at right now. I think he moved up to like 140, 146 or something. Uh, he's a, I mean, I'm sorry. It would be 140, 140 or 147. I think he moved up. Well, to. his last fight was at lightweight. Um, yeah. But yeah, he yeah. does. Some, he has fights at super lightweight, too, though. Yeah. So, well, I know he had, you know, fought, moved up. Not the very last fight, but the one before that. He moved up and fought a much bigger guy. Um, I, I, think, I, th- I feel like I've. I thought he moved up to like 147, but I didn't check before. But for people that don't know, he's a, um, you know, he's a champion, uh, multi-time belt holder, boxer, uh, 26 and 0 with 24 knockouts. Uh, he's a part of uh, the Mayweather camp, one of his, uh, you know, young up-and-coming fighters. But um He's mentioned before, he, he was in an interview and somebody asked him about possibly fighting MMA. And he's talked about it before where the question came up. And he said he thought he would do, you know, fight both, you know, end up fighting MMA at some point in time. But in this particular interview, he said some very interesting things to me. Um, so he mentioned um, that they were asking him kind of, you know, things that might give him a problem in so many words. And he said that he didn't think that wrestling would be a problem because, you know, in the neighborhood he wrestles around and everything like that. And um, it brought up a point that, you know, I kind of sent over to you, Locke, a little bit. One, I wanted to talk about just in general boxers coming over to MMA, but a big thing I wanted to talk about was uh, kind of why or what's going on with people still not understanding in 2021 that grappling is a whole art in itself that if you don't practice it, you don't just have it. Like, I don't understand why people really think like, still think like, Oh, if a guy tries to grab me, you know, I'll throw him off or I'll just step back and punch him or whatever else. I don't understand why. So before I dive into any of my opinions, I want to toss it over to you because as usual, I don't give you a lot of context. I just kind of send you a little text message. (laughs) So I wanted to get some insight from you. 
Yeah, so this is a subject that is close to me. I'm a lifelong grappler, so I started wrestling when I was young. I've wrestled most of my life. And I know growing up, it's it's always helped me to... I mean, I've still caught many an ass-whooping in my day, but it's at least helped me to mitigate much of that damage, you know? Being able to effectively grapple against people, so I understand the usage of it. And then going into training... You, you know, like actually getting some MMA training and stuff. You you see how effective it is there. Uh, I do think it's ironic that I, I just don't get it. This is 2021. I mean, UFC one was what? 1993, 1994. Yeah, I think it was 93. I mean, so we're look, yeah. we're, we're coming up on three decades. We we've seen how <laughs> yes. this plays out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and we're still having this discussion. And, and it really mm-hmm. boggles my mind. And it's not like we haven't seen this play out. You know, James Tony, one of your favorites, you know, a, a yes. world world champ, multiple time, you know, multiple weight class, went in against right. Randy Couture. And mm-hmm. Randy Couture hit him with a, a ankle pick that he said he hasn't done since high school. <laughs> the disrespect. <laughs> And that man handled him and choked him out. And and we know how this the script goes. And, you know, his comments that, you know, he's learned some some stuff about grappling in the neighborhood. I'm not going to 100 percent discount what he's saying, because there's plenty of people that have, you know, learned some street fighting or done. You know what I mean? Learn some stuff. Rough housing. You know, BJ Penn, his boxing background comes from boxing with his buddies you know, before he had any formal training. So I'm not trying to discount it as he's completely wrong and he hasn't learned anything. And honestly, against a regular human or even a, a, a guy that has some wrestling that isn't that caliber athlete, some of that stuff might work, you know. But what he's talking about is stepping in at the highest level of this sport and I just feel like by this point, you got to know better. Yeah, I agree. And even when you're not talking about the highest level, in particular for grappling, when you're talking about specialists or people that really did that for a while, it's really a different level. And when you get to, you know, some of these guys that were, you know, D1 college wrestlers or, you know, Olympic wrestlers, even if they didn't win a medal, it's a whole nother stratosphere of wrestling and grappling. Um, and uh, you might remember a long time ago, I told you a story of uh, a gentleman we know and used to work with. And it was a bunch of us, you know, late one night after the club, outside, you know, young, drunk, talking stuff. And him and another gentleman gets into a disagreement about something and they decide to wrestle. And the guy that we both know actually was a high school wrestler. And the other guy was just a big, strong guy from the neighborhood. You know, the kind of guy that you probably see him and you probably wouldn't mess with. And the guy that we both know proceeded to just rag down him around. Like everybody was so amazed And it was so funny because the other guy was trying so hard and he was bigger, stronger, the whole nine. And the guy that we know 
every time the other guy would come in, he would sprawl on him, reverse, jump behind his back. Like, literally, he toyed with him. And we're talking about a, a guy that probably didn't even wrestle at a top high school. <laughs> right? Probably never, ne- probably never qualified for states. I'm not, and and that's that's my exactly. boy. Yeah. I'm not shitting on him. You yes. know, I I, I yes. wrestled in high yes. school too. I'm just saying we are not talking about world class. We're talking about a guy that has a few years of mat time. Right, right. And we're talking about. So I did end up looking it up. So Tank Davis uh, fights at 35 and and 40. So you know. In MMA, you know, he'd be right there for 35, right? He'd be, he, I mean, you're talking about in MMA around that area, as we've talked about before, those guys, those smaller guys at 35, 45, those guys are complete packages, you know? You got to be good everywhere to fight those guys. Stamina, stand-up, boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, I mean, you got to be pretty good everywhere. So if he was to, you know, step over there, that's no easy feat, especially guys knowing that. If I know that, unless I'm on an ego trip, I'm not trying to stand with you even kickboxing. I'm coming. I'm doing exactly what Randy Couture did. I'm coming in. (laughs) I'm grabbing you. You're going to the ground, and I'm going to make you the most uncomfortable you've ever been in your life. And as you said, with um, with uh, uh, um, with um, shoot, how did I just with James Tony? Um, you know, we're talking about a guy that's not a slouch as a boxer by any stretch of the imagination. His his boxing record was seventy seven and ten. Now it was, you know, that's his current boxing record. This fight was a few years ago, but um, even with that, I mean, he pretty much didn't touch Randy Couture. He had that one fight, and I think he understood at that point in time. There's different levels, and he wanted. I'm pretty sure he wanted no more of MMA, right? He's had one fight. Um. And that's usually how it fares. For the most part, boxers crossing over to MMA don't fare well. Um, You know, Holly Holm has been the most successful crossover that I'm aware of. Um, And I don't think it's a coincidence that her career actually started in kickboxing rather than boxing, right? Although she did become a boxing champion. But her career started in kickboxing. Her coach was a boxer and a kickboxer. And she trained in an MMA gym. <laughs> right? So I think it's it's very different. And even then, as, as, as successful as she was in a crossover, as, you know, we talk about champions and things of that sort, she's in the category of one of those people that's never been able to defend a title. Right. She won the LFA title or I'm sorry. No, she won the uh, LFC title. She won the uh, legacy fighting uh, championship title. She didn't defend that one. And then she went on to win the um, the UFC title, which the legacy. I get it because she went to the UFC. Right. So I would give that up, too. She could have stayed in legacy and defended and been the greatest ladies fighter in the history of of legacy i agree yes but uh you know she moved over to the ufc she won the title against uh ronda rousey 
And then, of course, she lost it the very next fight against Misha Tate um, and has not regained the title since then, although I would say she had a successful MMA career. And I always have to mention this because it's a moment I always remember is she at least got strangled to sleep because it was the same night that Conor yes. McGregor tapped, you know, he, he became yes. a wrestler, you know, it shows you how hard it is. <laughs> Can't pick it up. You know, you shoot that shitty double and uh, get yourself choked out. Uh, but Holly Holm went to sleep that night trying to f- throw like air punches. Just, you know, she, Holly Holm's a warrior, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. And it was, I mean, respect to both of those ladies, Misha Tate and Holly Holm, because Misha Tate got battered that fight. And had the heart to pull that off, you know, as a Hail Mary. She was losing. Uh, so, yes. So, kudos on both sides. But just pointing out kind of the records and, you know, what it is, basically. Um, so, But, go ahead. Well, and I think Tank Davis may be... It's tough to say. I'm a, I like James Tony, and he's a Detroit guy. You know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, but Gervonta Davis is probably a better boxer than James Tony is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough to say. You know, he's still very young. But James Tony was probably a little bit more suited for an MMA crossover than, than Tank Davis is. You know, and and we see how how that went. So, um, I think. Tank Davis is really good at what he's good at, and and he probably should should stay in that role just because as good as he is with his hands. So none of Mm -hmm. these D1 wrestlers in MMA that now work with elite-level boxing coaches and stuff like that, they're always doing damage control on their feet. You know, Matt Hughes worked with great, you know, guys. Um, I mean, outside of GSP was a guy, but, you know, that, that picked up striking pretty well, but... You know, Matt Hughes, Chael Sonnen, these guys, they learn how to be serviceable, you know, to have a puncher's chance and to protect themselves. But they're never going right. to be as good with their hands as a Gervonta Davis because you can't replace those decades of, you know, mitt time. Well, right. it's the same thing with mat time. And, and and we see it in fighters. You know, even kickboxers are doing better transitioning over. But, you know, style bender. And, and guys like that that look even Anderson Silva as a jiu-jitsu black belt he just never had the wrestling like and, and, and he, there's just nothing you can do about it because you can't cover the gap in that mat, t- mat time of decades and decades of, of training this stuff where it's muscle memory you know and, yeah. and and you get these guys um I wasn't I don't think it was Tank Davis that said it but I've heard a lot of boxers say it, like oh because if you shoot it on me I'll hit you with that uppercut and, you know, that'll get you off. you like, well, <laughs> and wrong answer. Now you're on your back because mm-hmm. you're supposed to, uh, you know, sprawl, hip down, cross face and get out. Instead, you're trying to throw an uppercut and they got deep and turned the corner. And now you're on your back. It didn't work. It's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And but but that's what you don't know, because you just, you know, when you only got one tool, you know, if, if your only tool is a hammer, then every problem is a nail. Right. And as, as a boxer, you just feel like, okay, I have to, um, you know, knock them all out with my hands. It's, it's my, my go-to option. And, and I really feel like even though MMA fighters can never be a, a skilled or as good a boxer as these boxers are in any of these transition fights, 
we see some of these guys like Anderson Silva is able to have some success. And ev- right. even though the boxer typically always will beat the MMA guy in a M- in a boxing match, an MMA fighter has a better chance against a boxer in a boxing match than a boxer has against an MMA fighter in an MMA match. Absolutely. By, by far. I don't even think it's close. Um, <clears throat> but to your point, um, I think a lot of, well, let me, let me back up to what you were saying about comparing kind of, uh, Tony to, uh, to tank. The biggest edge I think that I would give to tank is, um, not his skill because James Tony was very, very skilled, especially in the early days. I think James Tony issue was more, he was one of those guys that just didn't like putting in the work for him. Work was just sparring. Right. And he'll tell you that tank Davis is a workhorse because he's under the, the, uh, you know, under the Mayweather camp and Mayweather's not even going to take you on if you're not putting in the work. And then also he's still young. He's only 27 years old. I think when James Tony went up against, um, uh, went up against Captain America. I want to say he was probably about 36 or something like that. Uh, he definitely wasn't 27. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, you know, you have that as a factor, but I think the issue is, and, and I think you pointed out when you mentioned Anderson Silva and people like that, a lot of guys that become good at something is because they start off really, really young. But the problem is they build up muscle memory just for that. And they don't put in enough work to balance it out to cross over until they really need it. But by then it's too late. If you're Anderson Silva and you can knock everybody out, you use your jujitsu enough, you don't really need it. You're not in the gym really going hard at wrestling, right? Because it it hasn't been shown that you really need it. Um, it the same with you. It, what was that? And when you are, you're working your your sprawl, your your whizzer, yep. everything to get back mm-hmm. to your feet. Correct, correct. You're not working to. You're not learning to take a guy down and be heavy on top, and ground and pound him and position. You're not working a lot of that stuff, right? So. Um, I think all of those are, fa- <clears throat> excuse me, are factors. And um, I think the earlier you can get out there and start learning, the better. Uh, hats off to Clarissa Shields. Yes, she's one and one in MMA right now. But I think she took on the right approach. And, you know, I think she trained for at least a year before she even took her first fight. I think it was a year, year and a half. But, um, you know, when people would talk about her fighting Nunez, she would always say, like, I'm just starting. Let me get some stuff in. Let me become a champ. Let me do a few things, have some success for, you know, a couple of years. And then we can talk about that. Why would I talk about that now? Right. And we saw in her last fight. She lost the fight. Now, I think she's still young enough. And, you know, she's training hard, doing the right things. She still can have success in MMA. The issue, though, becomes, as with anything, 
I don't believe that you can do both. I think either she's going to need to become an MMA fighter or be a boxer. And trying to retain both, the problem is you're going back and forth in between two completely different mindsets. Your stance is not the same. The way you hold your hands are not going to... So many things are different going from boxing to MMA. The range is different. That it's not that easy every couple months to flip the switch as to what you're doing if you're trying to be your absolute best, in my opinion. But she's a person that if she decided to really put her head down and focus on MMA, especially looking at the landscape right now, I think she could have some success, particularly over at, uh, I think she's in PFL, right? Um, and uh, the if I'm not mistaken, at their champ, is that PFL or am I thinking of another league? Where does uh, Kayla Harrison fight? Uh, I'm not sure. I can find out for you. Um, she might be their champ, though. But wh- wherever she's at, uh, from what I hear, there's talks of PFL. bringing her over to the UFC. Okay. So there's talks of bringing her over to the UFC as competition for Nunez. Because of we, as we've talked about before, Nunez has no competition in, in the UFC, right? So, saying that to say, if Kayla leaves... She's right now, you know, well above the other women in the PFL. Um, And I think that leaves it open for somebody to emerge as the star. And we've seen a lot of people, just like we've talked about on other episodes, people coming over to UFC or whatever. Everybody doesn't start off their career with 10 and 0 in MMA. You've had a lot of people lose their first fight, lose their second fight or whatever. But how do you go to the drawing board and come back? And are you focused? My only issue with Clarissa Shields, I don't think she's focused on MMA. I think she's focused on being a crossover star. And I just think it's too difficult with all the disciplines you have to learn in MMA, particularly when you didn't start at a very young age. No, I agree. And I I, I really like Clarissa Shields a lot. And... I think, I mean, exactly what you said. When she was going to MMA, that loss didn't bother me at all. I figured, you know, you a lot of these great fighters get a loss early. You know, you just commit to the process. You fight two fights a year for the next few years. That gives you a couple years to get yourself into, you know, a blue belt. You know, you know, get some grappling under your, you know, under yourself. And then when you make that move to the UFC, you do the same thing for a couple years. Next thing you know. You're you're five years in. You're an elite level athlete. Maybe you're a brown belt by by now, and you've the, the women's division. The women's division is hurting enough that mm-hmm. she could make it work. And she's an elite athlete, so she'll pick up the grappling the grappling faster than your average guy. But the the flipping back and forth, I I just don't see it because what's going to happen is is you're not going to be great at either. And and if that's what you're going to do. I would rather see her just stick with boxing and become the next best female boxer ever and stick to, you know, stay in that lane or come over to MMA and commit to that. Now, now look, if she can pull it off, that would be fucking dope. And, and I don't want to count right. her out, but we've already so seen, not. you know, you're, you're losing split decisions in the PFL. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? This is going to be tougher than you thought. Now, what I think she does have is that, 
she's so much better at the boxing end that she can afford to dabble in some of this other training because it's almost like your that's almost like your strength and conditioning training or your your agility training aspect because she's so worlds ahead of a lot of these you know the bo- the other female boxers they're just not as good right no i definitely would agree with that and um <clears throat> Um, like you said, I think it would be incredible if she's able to pull it off, but it's just difficult, especially, you know, you have contractual obligations. So for example, if you hold more than one belt, you have an obligation, depending on whatever your contract is for that, to have so many fights with that belt. Even if you, let's say she has two belts and it's one a year, got three. that's two there you go. So that's three fights a year, basically, that you have to have to retain that. That doesn't leave a lot of room for MMA training and everything else. So, you know, that's the problem. But well, there's only two other. One ahead. thing I think boxing has, I think you can defend them all in one fight. And that uh, handles a lot of your contractual obligations. Technically, you can. You can put them on on the line, but I don't know if like. So what will happen sometimes is. They'll have these mandatory number one contender fights or whatever else. And you're a number one guy in the WBC, maybe a totally different number one guy in the, you know, IBF or the WBA or whatever else. So that's kind of where it comes in to play. But yes, you can put all the belts on the line for any given fight as long as it's agreed upon. Because um, they're making, uh, I don't remember which one it, what, which one it is, but uh, one of them's making... Tyson Fury take a fight because he wanted to wait out for the uh the Ola Nick Joshua fight. He wanted one mm-hmm. of those dudes or you know, he wanted uh Ola Nick and Josh or whichever way. He wanted one of them. Now they got the rematch and uh he was just going to mm-hmm. sit out and they're like we'll, we'll strip you if you do it. You got to fight somebody, man. Exactly. Yep. Yep, and that happens. Um, and I for, but two other fighters, I forget the guy they're giving him too, and he's gonna beat the shit out of that guy because he's gonna be in there and he's gonna be pissed <laughs> because he doesn't want the fight, and they're con- contractually obligating him to do this, and this guy's gonna show up thinking he's got a shot at the belt, and Tyson Fury's gonna beat the fucking brakes off of him, man. Now you just jinxed him, so Tyson Fury's gonna lose. <laughs> hey, I'm not a big fan, so whatever. I'm, I'm, either way, that's a big moment. I'm down for that too. <laughs> So there's two other fighters I want to talk about, and they're probably two no, little-known MMA fighters. But I want to talk about them because they had um, uh, a nice amount of fights in the UFC. So I still consider them having a, an MMA career. One of them I consider to be a little bit more successful th- than the other one. <clears throat> so one is Marcus Davis. You People that watch The Ultimate Fighter may remember him from The Ultimate Fighter, but... He was actually a boxer first. He went 17 and one in boxing and then crossed over to MMA. Ultimately, his MMA record was 23 and 11, but uh, he had 13 fights in the UFC. So he was a UFC veteran. And although he lost like, I think his last two or three in the UFC before he got the ticket out, he did go eight and five in the UFC and, you know, he fought some big names. He fought Nate Diaz. He fought Jeremy Stevens, Pete Spratt. You know, he, 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 it wasn't like he just fought, you know, a bunch of slouches. So, uh, I wanted to point him out and then another, yep, go ahead. So Marcus Davis, cause I know 
we we list we have a lot of new listeners or listeners that are new to MMA. Yes, you know, so like for some of the newer fans, Marcus Davis is one of those guys where he's not a name that's going to go down like you know through the eras or whatever. But he he was a guy that was a hard out. Every fight is was a good fight. So yeah, maybe he wasn't the best MMA fighter or UFC fighter of all time. But anytime it was a Marcus Davis fight, you knew it was going to be a scrap. And the other yes. guy brought their A game, so it was always a good fight. And the second best Marcus Davis fact is that his nickname was the Irish hand grenade. And, and it was, you know, it was the Irish thing. He's an American guy that happens to be of Irish descent, and he calls himself the Irish hand grenade. And then being an Irish guy, at one point, he went to go do a card over in Ireland, and he whirled over there with that bullshit, and they're like, hey. We don't joke about the troubles over here, motherfucker. I don't know what you think over in America. We don't think it's funny. And he had to call himself the Irish Dragon for the uh, for the Ireland fight. Little known fact. <laughs> I love that. So one. on on St. Patrick's Day, when we drink Irish car bombs, mm-hmm. they don't, don't do, do they it don't do in that Ireland. in Ireland. Same. They don't, they don't think don't that's do funny. That's like wearing a sombrero on uh, Cinco de Mayo. Just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so the other fighter I wanted to mention um, that had a stint in the UFC was Jessica Ricosi. She's another one that came off of Tough, and uh, on Tough she actually did pretty good. She uh, went three and zero on Tough. But once she actually got into the UFC, uh, she went one in five. So, of course, the three and oh doesn't count because tough only counts as an exhibition. So her actual MMA record wasn't that good. But as a boxer, she actually went 33 and three, won some titles, everything like that. So and, um, you know, she was she seems like a person that you would think would be good crossing over to MMA. She seemed to be always in good condition, seemed to have a good head on her shoulder, you know, strike and everything like that. But it's just another example just to talk about how it's not that it's not an easy transition when you're used to just using your hands and you're used to only hands coming back at you to now have to worry about knees, elbows, takedowns, kicks. It's a whole different animal. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough transition to make, and not a lot of people can do it, especially late into the career. If you're if you're young in the sport and you decide early you want to make the switch, that's something mm-hmm. you can do a little bit more because you have the time commitment. But after, like you said, was a thirty three and what was it thirty three and thirty three and three? It's a long career, you know. That's some people don't have yeah. that career as their whole career. Yeah, no, I totally I totally agree. And pretty much everybody else that made the attempt just was, you know, didn't work out well. Uh, Ricardo Mayorga tried to come over. He went 0-3. Um, yeah. It's a long list of people that didn't, didn't work out. What about, your, <laughs> what about your boy Art Jimerson? Yeah, so... I actually, I'll let you tell that story because that is a, a official pioneer moment. UFC one pioneer. So I'll let you tell that one. Yeah. And, and that's hard. That's one that's hard to shit on them for, you know, cause that's just being mean. Cause like you said, that, that was before we knew anything about martial arts. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Joe Rogan or there's somebody that's kind of said, we've learned more 
in the last, you know, 30 years of martial arts than we had in 3,000 years before that. It, it just yep. came so far. And that, a lot of that comes from the UFC. But Art Jimerson was the first boxer to show up in an MMA fight. So he was in UFC 1. And he was a journeyman boxer as, as it was. You know, I think at the time... He he finished his career thirty three and eighteen. Um, I think at the time he was probably like thirty and six or something like that. Or um, well, I guess he would have been like twenty nine and five. Anyways, he's a journeyman boxer, and he showed up mm-hmm. with a glove on one hand, on his lead hand, on his jab hand, <laughs> yeah. and it was his uh, Hoist Gracie's first fight. Mm-hmm. And he ended up tapping. I mean, that was not that was not just so everybody knows. I understand that the Gracies were the ones that created the UFC, but that was not planned at all. Just so you know, they did not give Hoist a boxer with one glove (laughs) on one hand for his first fight to start him off with an easy night. That never happened. Okay, go ahead. Right. That's like the the New York Knicks and the cold envelope and the the Ewing draft or whatever. Um, Never happened. Yeah. So Hoist Gracie. We now know that story, but his first fight, he shows up against a journeyman boxer with a glove on one hand, and he takes him down quick, and Art Jimerson basically rolled around on his back, like rolled this way, couldn't do anything, rolled the other way, couldn't do anything, laid there for a second, thought about it, and tapped out to being in the guard. Yes, yes. Nothing really, no real pressure of anything. He's like, I can't get out. It's like back in the day when you're you you have a like a bad little brother or something, and this is what I used to do to my little brother. You take their hands and you cross them over each other and you hold them, and then they can't move, and then they just start crying because they can't move. There's no pressure. There's no force. You didn't hit them. They're just upset that they can't move. Because when I think about it, I, I didn't rewatch it. I didn't think of Art Jimerson until we were just bullshit. But I don't even think. Hoist Gracie wasn't even like heavy, like chest to chest on him. I think he was just in the guard, like tight on him to where he couldn't move a lot, but he wasn't really leaning on him. He just got claustrophobic. He had never had that happen in a fight. Yeah. And the the reason why that's so relevant is because, as you mentioned, so that was in, you know, the first UFC 1993. As you mentioned, we're almost three decades after that. And he gets a pass because a lot of people didn't know, especially here, you know, being a kid back then in America, the only thing that we knew was karate, Bruce Lee and boxing, right? If you grew up as a kid wrestling, you knew some about wrestling, but we didn't know or understand the world of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or this level of grappling with submissions or anything like that. And if you didn't grow up a wrestler, wrestling to you was Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Coco Beware, you know, the Legions of Doom, right? So we didn't know this. So he gets a pass for not knowing. What's crazy is, as you mentioned very early in the show, boxers of this date and time that still has that mentality as if UFC 1 never happened. And as if we didn't see what happens to boxers that go over to MMA now. That's what's so shocking and surprising. And it's not like it's a one-off. So there was Art Jimerson. There was the guy Melton Bowen, who was one of the Mm -hmm. first. He was wearing MMA gloves 
when you didn't need to just because to protect his hands because he planned on punching so hard, you know, and that's a scary, that's a scary concept. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he was in what, like UFC four or something like that. I do be- I think he was in UFC four. I do believe Ray Mercer knocked out Tim Sylvia, though. He did. Ray Mercer went one and one, so he lost to Kimbo. That's right. And he knocked Tim Sylvia out, but the Tim Sylvia fight was like a, a weird rule MMA thing. It was it was slated as an MMA fight, but for what I remember, it wasn't full of MMA rules. And Tim Sylvia foolishly tried to stand and trade with Ray Mercer. Once again, I'm not saying that if you decide to stand and trade with a boxer in MMA with small gloves on, that you won't get knocked the fuck out. I'm saying that would be very foolish of you when you have all of these weapons that they don't know how to deal with. James Tony would have been, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, um, uh, Captain America would have been a fool to go out and try and box with James Tony. It would not make sense when he's one of the best Greco-Roman wrestlers that MMA had seen. Did he have boxing? Yes. Was it James Tony level boxing? No. So why even do it? <laughs> End the fight very quickly. Boxing in the army is not the same as boxing at the Kron. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and fighting, I mean... Uh, James Tully may have fought more world champions than probably anybody in boxing, moving all the way from middleweight, super middleweight, cruiserweight, you know, light heavy, heavyweight. You know, he he went up the spectrum and fought all the big names, you know. But another thing I want to say about that is you're 100 percent right, because in the press conference afterwards, you know, obviously James Tony was salty and shit and he started talking shit. And now all of a sudden he wants to do a boxing match. And at the press conference, they asked Randy Couture about the boxing match. And he said, I would be a fool to think that I could go into his world and do what he does. And if I were to try that, it would probably come out the same way with me losing in the first round. So Mm -hmm. that that was like a very self-aware moment because he's like, look, I wouldn't even. Mm -hmm. You've seen how easy it was for me to wrestle him up, right? How easy right. do you think it would be for him to outbox me? That's James Tony. Right. <laughs> exactly. He's going to beat the shit exactly. out of me. And and that's the problem is, you, you know, sometimes you got to be self-aware enough to be like, ah, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, some of these guys are warriors and you have what makes you a world champion. And what makes you great at what you do is this inner confidence that uh, you can right. beat anybody or any situation. And you've probably heard a million times in your life that you can't do this or you can't do this. In the meantime, you're undefeated, rich world champion. So, exactly. so you think, yeah, every, everybody thinks that and you keep doubting me. And then you get out there and, you know, TJ Dillashaw is a D one all American, you know, <laughs> and, uh, right. You're, you're six months down at Winkle, uh, Winkle John mm-hmm. and shit isn't, you know, it'll help a lot. But I ain't going to stuff that shot. Or Triple C's come back. <laughs> oh. You know, oh. Triple C. <laughs> but yeah, hey, no, I totally agree. If you're going to do mm-hmm. it, that's the fight, right? Triple C versus Tank Davis. I'd watch it. <laughs> Listen, I'd watch it. But um, yeah, this is what I would say. And of course, you know, 
we're just getting this thing started. The chances of Tank Davis ever hearing this is slim to none, <laughs> right? But I think he listens. If I had to give advice, yeah, he's probably a listener. <laughs> if I had to give advice to him, I would say if you're really truly thinking about crossover and you've made a lot of money now, start pulling back, go down to maybe one fight a year. For the next two years, start training seriously at an MMA gym. But for the first six months, I would do nothing but wrestle. True wrestling, wrestling room. To your point of earlier, not just the sprawling and avoiding takedowns. Although in game planning, that probably would be a nice part of my game plan. What happens when that doesn't work? You need some more levels, right? And I would work six months just on wrestling and then start incorporating everything else in because I still think even in today's MMA, boxing, wrestling combination is one of the best combinations you can have for a really good MMA fighter, particularly if you learn how to check kicks. If you can check kicks, and you got boxing and wrestling because, one, you can be very effective, but, two, you put yourself in less danger because, as we know, the kicks can put you in a lot of danger themselves for takedowns and everything else, and the whole thing is you want to keep it on the feet. So that's my two cents of the whole thing, but him thinking that whatever he did wrestling back in the neighborhood is going to be effective any kind of way with the MMA, in my opinion, it just isn't going to work. It just doesn't work that way. Even if it was a guy that was good, would you all wrestle for 30 seconds? It's not, it's not mat time wrestling, right? It's not the exhaust. It's not round after round. It's a different ball. Game. Well, it's not the drilling because even the wrestling matches. So that's not a real wrestling match. Wrestling matches, mm -hmm. that's like the prize. You get to go have a wrestling match because you spend hours down in that fucking stinky room. You know, it's hot exactly. and it's gross and you're just down there fucking for hours, day after day after day. That's where you get better. You know what I mean? Just drilling that shit out. Yep. Um, but what I think is funny is you went from wondering if Tank Davis would ever listen to then giving him advice. Of course, because <laughs> one day he's going to listen. Right. His, somebody in his camp is going to be like, hey, it's this new podcast. It's these two guys, man, DC and Locke, they know everything. You have to listen to this. And then he's going to get the advice. And then at some point in time, he's going to shout us out. And they're, and they're going to say, you're not going to believe this, but uh, they think you should work on your wrestling. <laughs> um, there, there, There's a couple things I want to say real quick. When So Tank Davis, he's 26-0 and 0 right now. Um, yep. when J James Tony was that far into his career, he was also undefeated in a multiple, you know, mm -hmm. multiple champions, you know, one, mm -hmm. ugh, won multiple world titles. So yes, James Tony did the MMA thing later, but yeah, at that age, he was, you know, he was that guy. James Tony is a great fucking yes. fighter. Um, mm -hmm. but Javante Davis says he's five, five. Right, mm -hmm. and we're looking at he fights at lightweight, super little, uh, super lightweight. So that's one thirty to one forty. 
I didn't even look at 140 because those guys are, are way too big. But if you look at, I was looking at flyweight and bantamweight. Mm-hmm. Like at flyweight, you got Moreno, Figueredo, both jujitsu black belts. You got Alex mm-hmm. Perez, who's, uh, he was a college wrestler. And all those guys are bigger than Tank. And that's at mm-hmm. flyweight, you know? I mean, figure, Figueredo's a little bit smaller, but the, you know, these guys are bigger and they're grapplers. You go up to Bantamweight, Funkmaster's college wrestler is the champion. He's way bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ Dillashaw's mm-hmm. D1 wrestler. He's way bigger. Jose Aldo's a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's bigger, mm-hmm. you know, like, and you don't even want to get into 145. So he's got to fall into one yeah. of those divisions and the top of those divisions are wrestler heavy. And you got to think he's not going to mm-hmm. come over. And, and take a, a tune-up fight, right? If he's going to do it, he's going to want to fight a guy. And I think, yeah. And I think all those guys are serious matchup issues for what he would try and do. So they're considerably taller, they're rangier, and they're mm-hmm. all way better grapplers. Not just guys that yeah. can grapple. You know, if there's a good fight against, you know, Edson Barbosa, that's a good. You know, Edson Barbosa is too big, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that style of fighter right. would be something he could maybe fuck around with. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, if he did decide to cross over, other than the advice that I gave him earlier, I would go to Clarissa Shields route. I would not go to the UFC unless you're just trying to get one big payday. It's 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 too much of a murderous role. The number 15 guy is really good. Because if you want the payday, you could go over to one and do that. Mm-hmm. You could go to one yeah. and get a big money fight against somebody. Mm-hmm. They'll give you a guy. They'll give him a fight that he can win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, true, not, but... I, okay. I know Japan fixed a lot of fights. I don't think Davis would do a fixed fight, but I'm saying they can find him a, a regular. You don't say. <laughs> they like to fix fights in Japan, but, <laughs> but no, they pay big money for fights and they'll give him a favorable yes. matchup. They'll give him a guy that'll go bang with him. And in small gloves, with small gloves, he will hurt you. Yeah, anything's possible. No, I totally agree. But, um, you know, overall, it really just comes down to it's 20, you might as well say 2022. And MMA and boxing are two very, very different sports. And you can't think that because you can box, you can simply cross over to MMA no more than because you throw hands in MMA. You can just simply cross over to boxing. It's not that simple. There are two different sports for a reason. And I wish, I think a lot of MMA fighters understand, but because at least they train in boxing and a lot of them were boxing fans before anything, they want to try their hand at it. But I don't think that they discount the ability of boxers. The problem is boxers still don't understand the skill level of grappling and MMA as a sport. They downplay it as if it's not as good. And I think that's a big mistake. I agree. Any last words from you before we wrap it up? No, I think that's about it. Um, I just think history repeats itself. It's, it's still crazy that we're still having this conversation. Obviously that's not the move. You know what I mean? But, uh, 
I think that uh, you could make something interesting happen. You know, we do see guys making all kinds of crossover fights nowadays. And uh, if, if Tank Davis wants to try his hand at it, then I think it's something he should get out there and do, you know. Go get Russell. All right, up. you all heard it here first. Locke said he should try out submission, uh, combat submission wrestling first. <laughs> it's a wrap, you all. <laughs> it's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Fat Boy MMA Podcast. Come back again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA Podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.